You're now listening to the Washington football team declassified podcast with my dad. You're going to love it. ESPN's NFL insider Adam Schefter. Adam, how did this deal come about? Linda, they had been working on this deal for quite some time, really from the time that the two teams had gotten home from the combine. They were able to piece this deal together yesterday. Fox broke the news tonight, and the deal involves, as you mentioned, three number one picks and a number two. And the reason it came together yesterday afternoon, late in the day, is that the Cleveland Browns all of a sudden wanted to try to make a deal for that number two pick as well. The Miami Dolphins even inquired about the pick and could not get the deal done because the Rams were able to put together a deal and an agreement with the Washington Redskins that'll be processed on Tuesday that will give the Redskins the second overall pick in the draft and give the Rams a bounty of picks by moving back four slots in the draft. They will have an extra second in this year's draft and then extra ones in each of the next two drafts after this year. What a fascinating story this is, and very intriguing, and this all involves the Baylor great Robert Griffin III. Do you remember how you felt or what your reaction was to the trade? Well, I think it was uh, Linda Cohn and Adam Schefter broke the news that we'd given up the picks. So I was like in Carolina, like basically freelancing. I was doing a show at the time in, in the 2011 college football season for Yahoo Sports Radio. So I, you know, I talked to a lot of players that year, including Kirk Cousins, including Robert Griffin III. And at that time, you know, had no idea what that meant. <laughs> but I just remember really liking Robert Griffin III a lot and being like a, a, a fan of his game and what he was all about. So I was kind of excited about the idea of uh you know the redskins at that time getting him so you know still being a fan of the the franchise i was like this this would be fantastic and i was also doing shows at that time for 1067 you know um on the weekends me and b mitch were doing shows and you know just filling in whatever so i was doing all kinds of different stuff but i just remember you know thinking about it at the time like man if they could get rg3 and and get a quarterback you know this would really make things a lot better for for where they are because you know look mike shanahan swung and missing a lot of quarterbacks, you know, starting with McNabb, obviously, you know, Grossman Beck does a debacle and, you know, they needed to settle that position. I think, I think we all agree that they needed to settle that position. With the second pick in the 2012 NFL draft, the Washington Redskins select Robert Griffin, the third quarterback Baylor. Certainly excitement, if you like that, is coming to the nation's capital for head coach Mike Shanahan, general manager Bruce Allen and the Skins, a team that won only five games last year. Like The draft happens, and then it was like, it was real. You know what I mean? It became real at that point yeah. that, that, hey, we got this guy, you know? And I remember the reaction being pretty positive, both you know, with the fan base and also with the media, you know, yeah, it was very I, positive. I was listening to some of the old clips um, and putting this together. And I remember, you know, they were talking about Miami wanted to trade up as well yeah. in Cleveland. And it was like, you know, yep. we got a guy, you know, for the first time. Yep. They did. And, and it was, and look, it, it could have been great. And, you know, one of the things that, um, 
you know, is really uh, I've thought about over the years was, you know, beyond just, you know, if they could have, you know, kept him healthy, obviously kept Robert healthy. And if he wouldn't have kind of gotten his stubborn way about, Hey, I gotta be this kind of quarterback. I can't, I can't continue to do this. Um, is if they would have, you know, quite frankly, brought in a backup that would have kind of meshed more with his style. Um, you know, Jay Gruden said something that made a lot of sense this, you know, last couple of weeks when he was talking about it, he's like, he never really understood why, you know, you, you didn't have a quarterback that kind of matched your, your starting quarterback. So you don't have to run two different systems. And we used to talk about that all the time here with Robert and Kirk, you had to run, you know, two different offenses essentially uh, with them, even though the coaches would push back. No, no, we're not really running that much different, but yeah, you were, I mean, and that's okay. I mean, you're supposed to match, you know, the scheme to the talent, but you know, and, and Shanahan used to drive me crazy with this because he would talk about, you know, every time they played Seattle, how much he liked Russell Wilson, how they almost drafted Russell Wilson, yada, yada, yada. And it is not true because if they really wanted him, they could have had him, but they took Josh freaking Larebus. So it was like, come on, dude, <laughs> shut up, you know? Or if you really like Russell Wilson, you would have never traded the freight, you know, to get Robert. So this used to drive me crazy because I actually liked Russell Wilson a lot too because I saw him at NC State and I, I really was like blown away at how mature the guy was. And I thought he could be an NFL quarterback. And then, you know, Shanahan used to always throw this thing, oh, he liked him. I, I knew he was going to be great. I'm like, well, really? If you did, then you would have not traded away everything to get a guy in the first round. You've just been patient and taken you know, uh, Russell Wilson later in the draft, like, you know, everybody else could have done. But anyway. Like, I, I was on vacation in Turkey. And I went, like, to the hotel lobby, watched that draft, like, fucking cried tears of joy when we got that, dude, because I thought, like, like we, we've arrived. Like, we're back. Yeah. We are back. And then we fast forward to the Saints game, you know, the first week of the oh, season. Yeah. And, you know, I think he was six for six, the first drive. And then he comes out the, the second drive. Robert Griffin, the third, six for six on the Redskins' first possession. He fires downfield. He's now seven for seven as Garcon breaks free. Pierre Garcon will not be caught. 88 yards to number 88 first touchdown of rg3's nfl career and at that point the griffining thing was born and yep. and i think that was really the hype starting to take off at that point you know more so than what you know the preseason was cool the draft was cool but this was this was real football yep. and, and all of a sudden rg3 exploded onto the scene on, on a national level as well um do you remember some of the fan reaction you were getting at that point well, people are losing their mind. I mean, in you know, you look at that game, they were really winning big. I mean, it, it was like a the game was kind of over in the fourth quarter. They kind of took the foot off the gas and, and the Saints came back and, you know, made it end up being like a one score game in the end, but it really wasn't. I mean, it was, they were kicking the Saints butt from start to finish. I mean, the, the, the time of possession numbers, the rushing numbers, I mean, they was just dominating. And here's the interesting thing that I think people forget, like they didn't show the offense that they ran in the regular season at all in the preseason didn't show it at camps because I was at all those camps. It was when they were still in Ashburn still. They didn't show any of that stuff. I mean, I remember seeing it in the OTAs and then when the sessions were closed when they were in the bubble, like Robert running. But like when stuff was open, man, they didn't show that at all. You know, they didn't show it at all. And I, I remember talking to guys in the sideline, media guys going, you don't really think they're going to let this guy run like that, are you? <laughs> I mean, they're not really going to run this because you, you got to think, you're like, rewind, right? I mean, at that time, this wasn't happening. Him and Colin Kaepernick, you know, kind of became the guys that were running zone read, right? And it became big around the league. 
but it wasn't, and obviously it became huge that year with the 49ers with Kaepernick because, you know, they have gone to the Super Bowl. But, I mean, it was not like it wasn't normal at all. Now it's like, okay, we see it, you know, enough. It's, you know, even though it's kind of tampered down to some degree. But, you know, at that time, the idea of that was crazy. And now I will say this, the one thing that did concern me about Robert um, and talking to guys, I remember around, you know, that played the game, it would, would su- kind of size him up when they'd see him go, man, he's you know, kind of got like a track body, you know? Mm-hmm. And that was the one thing you always wondered about. And, you know, we, we talked over and over over the years about him sliding and getting out of bounds and stuff, which is obviously something he never really totally embraced because it, it cost him some, some games over the years by trying to take hits and trying to be tough when, you know, the smart play as a quarterback is just get the heck down and get out of bounds. Exactly. Exactly. And I think, the third game of the season um, to when we played Cincinnati that oh, yeah. year, brutal. it was, it was the first time that I felt like me personally saw Robert as there might be an issue, not a big issue, right? but the, the bulletproof hero that we had might not be bulletproof yeah. after. I think he had something like five sacks, three fumbles that game. And it just was kind of, cause you know, the first week, with, with the blowout against the Saints, it was like, oh my gosh, this is perfect. This is our franchise savior. We lost to the Rams the following week, but he still had a relatively decent performance. Yep. And then we went to Cincinnati, or we played Cincinnati, ended up one and two. And that was just like, oh, you know, maybe. And remember they ran like option plays yeah. with, with Aldrick Robinson, or no, I'm sorry, not Brad, it was Banks, uh, Brandon Banks in the backfield. It was this really light thing. And, and he took some brutal hits. And you're like, what are they doing here? You know, right. like this, this doesn't make any sense. I mean, I remember that game was the one that upset me at the time um there was the Atlanta game obviously when he got knocked out essentially with an injury and Kirk had a play yeah. and then there was the Pittsburgh game when they sent him out on a pass route I mean those are the three times I'm like well, what are we doing here and that was obviously before the the Baltimore game where the injury happened but I, I agree with you I felt like up to the, you know that was kind of a wake-up call game the Cincinnati was the first sign of like something's got to change here exactly and then of course you know, after that comes this this Vikings game, right? I think that was week, uh, what was it, week six. And here's RG3. He's going to run for the first down and still on his feet. RG3 is going to outrace everybody. And I think more than ever, this is, you know, RG3 was already a star. But the run, right, the 76-yard yeah. electrifying run, that occurred in that game that really kind of sealed the deal for us there. And it was like, we had something in this town that we hadn't had in a long time outside of like maybe hockey. I think, you know, Ovechkin had already been in town or something, but we did, we had somebody who was potentially the best player in the game. At least it felt that way at that point in time with that run. Um, Do you kind of remember the vibe and, and just kind of the energy that, that, that run had in that, that game itself? Yeah, I mean, it was crazy because I think that was coming off the Atlanta game where he couldn't finish the game, right? So you were worried about his durability, and then he gives you that electrifying play. But you're right. I mean, it was like – I'll say this. I think Gilbert Arenas, because we overlook a lot of that time. But remember, he was a a voted in all-star, you know, and he was literally one of the top five offensive players in the NBA, and he was – yeah, it's unguardable at times, quite frankly. Um, and, and unfortunately, you know, obviously it's off the court, caught up, you know, got him. But but I'll say, you know, the, the excitement, I didn't have it. I covered those Wizards teams. That's why I kind of reflect on that. It wasn't anywhere close. You know, that's the thing. And, and obviously Ovechkin, you know. But at that time, I remember Ovechkin, though, was also kind of carrying the weight of, ah, he's great in the regular season, but they don't win any big mm-hmm. games. You know, they have one of the playoffs. And it was before the Stanley Cup, obviously, and all that stuff, before the Nats. But yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. I mean, you had him, you had Harper, 
Obi was still in his prime. I mean, you know, he had all these things going. A wall was kind of ascending at that point, you know, and, and Brad was coming into his, you know, coming into the league at that point. So you had all these young stars, but he was certainly the the headlining guy because he's a quarterback of the Washington Redskins at that time. So he, he was, I mean, there's no doubt. And you just felt like, yeah, I mean, Andrew Luck was, was playing really at a big level that year as a rookie, but it's funny because we used to do the coaching show with Mike Shanahan. He would love to give us the numbers every week about how many hits because it was kind of like hey i know rg3 is hitting getting hit a lot and taking these hits but you know here's how many times andrew luck's been sacked in the pocket you know here's how many times andrew luck's been hit he used to love to give that to us and and obviously mike was a little touchy about it not just because it was his team but it was his son's offense right i mean yeah you know and look to kyle's credit this was something like like i said outside of what they were doing in san francisco with, with kaepernick we weren't seeing really around the league it was it was revolutionary at the time. Now, was it sustainable for the long term? You know, I, you could say no because he got hurt, but we'll never know. Had you know, maybe I don't know. They just taken their time in 2013, and everybody hit the reset button and just kind of got together on what could work. But you know, that obviously was was not going to happen. There was too many internal politics going on there. But yeah, I mean, it was it was a, it was big time. I mean, people were, were losing their mind. I mean, think about all the RG three jerseys you still see around today. Yeah, I mean, my kids have them still. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> ones in college and ones in high school, and they still got their little RG three jerseys. I would give you know, and I liked yeah. Robert. I, mean, I think Robert was a good guy. I think he just you know he got caught up in a lot of stuff. Um, you know, maybe kind of lost his way a little bit, but I think he certainly. I'm sure has got some reflection on it over what he's been through the last several years as a backup in the league. Do you think Alfred Morris was given a fair shot to succeed, you know, here? I mean, he came yeah. out with gangbusters in 2012 and he had a good year in 2013 too, I believe. And then it was kind of like, you know. Yeah. Here's what, here's an unpopular opinion. Scott McLuhan screwed that up. Okay. Cause Scott McLuhan, remember people making t-shirts for this guy for some reason, off of like one year and I, I never was a big Scott McLuhan hey he's the end-all be-all draft guy you know because I was like look he didn't build the 49ers championship team he didn't build the championship team um and by the way 49ers don't have a championship for that era but anyway he didn't build them up to an NFC championship team he didn't build up the Seahawks to a Super Bowl team that was John Schneider's team but I was never I was always a little skeptical of the Scott McLuhan hype because there was just too many stupid things in the way one of which by the way was you know hello he took alex smith over to aaron Rodgers um in his draft <laughs> um and and you know and gra- granted a lot of other teams just made the same mistake too but i i just never was a big you know hey scott mcclellan's end up he was so in love with matt jones he couldn't see straight um and obviously it was a stupid decision i mean it really i mean alfred i watched him run with this year with the giants he was like what two weeks off the street or whatever had been out of football and he carved washington's defense up which was was obviously how they rated him pretty good this year and you know the guy can still get it done yeah i get it he's not gonna run 90 yards for a touchdown he's not gonna you know catch you you know balls in the backfield like alvin Kamara. But all he does is, is you know, you draw up a play, he's going to get you positive yards. He's going to keep moving the chains, moving the chains, moving the chains. And, and I always, I've always liked him. I like this. He's very humble as nature, and that's not an act. I mean, that's who he was. And, uh, yeah, I really thought he was done wrong in, in a lot of ways. And you could still have had, you know, Chris Thompson or whoever named the back as a di- another back to compliment him if you thought, okay, we can't trust him to be the three-down back because he's not a receiving back or what have you. But – you know, again, they, they quite frankly, they didn't replace his production until this year. I mean, they didn't find a, a like right. a like a first and second, third down, you know, first and second down back as good as Gibson until this year. And he wasn't even a running back. So, I mean, it took you really eight years to find a guy you could, you could try. I guess you could say AP did, but, 
you know, AP had kind of the same, it's funny thing about AP is he's kind of dealing with the same stuff Alfred's dealing, but except he's got, you know, all those yards and all those touchdowns and all those right. records. Right. And he, he's a stud, you know, he's a spectacular he's at the end of his career, but you know, same deal, you know, like, Oh, he can't be a third down back. So we got to move on from him. And in the AP's case, he's old now, but yeah, I mean, I think definitely there was some of that with Alfred. I thought he got, he got pushed to the side way too quickly and way too young in his career. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then, and then we went to, uh, we played the Panthers and of course we lost that game and this was the evaluating okay. talent for next season game. You remember that with Shanahan? Yeah, Shanahan, but I, I still, the funniest thing was that D'Angelo Williams was so put off by the homecoming program <laughs> and like, that's like one of my favorite sound bites of all time. Homecoming, you gotta be kidding me. This is the National Football League. That, I, I just, between that and Shanahan saying evaluating, yeah, I mean, that's all I can think of that of that game. It was like a, what, a 21-13 loss and it really didn't seem like, you know, they were going to get their act together and boom, they won the rest of their games that year. Do you buy that that was a Shanahan's press conference was the motivating factor for the team to, to get their stuff together at that point or. You know, I don't know if it was to be honest, because I mean, like the evaluation thing, like, you know, I think about that team and I was like, well, what else were they going to really do? They weren't going to bench the quarterback. They weren't going to change the running back. He was a rookie. Um, you know, the receivers were who they were. Um, you know, really, if you look at that season, I boil it, I, you know, we talk about Alfred and, and RG3, obviously, already, and we should, but boy, Pierre Garçon, I mean, they were nine and two with Pierre Garçon, and they were what, let's do the math here, I'm not good at this, five and uh, one, or five, or, you know, one and five, one hello, five, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one and five without him, there you go, yeah, the wins go first, the losses go second, Scott, yeah, so they're one and five without him, so they were disaster when he was into the lineup that year. And, um, you know, he was, he was huge for them, but yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was interesting at the time and I'm sure we talked way too much about it on the radio at the time, but w when you think about it, you know, I think it was the right thing to say. I don't, I don't think he was trying to push any buttons necessarily. I think he, he felt that way in the moment. And I mean, if that's what woke them up, that's, that's great. I think they also got some breaks along the way and, you know, um, you know, that that's always helpful too, but it was, it was kind of, uh, they, they definitely, you know, they got hot at the right time. They also got to play the Eagles twice in that stretch, which helped because they were, <laughs> the Eagles are all, I mean, Andy Reeves at the end of his rope, obviously in Philly at that point. Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right. They went to the Eagles next week. They won that game. And then of course came the Thanksgiving day game. Oh, that was awesome. Against Dallas. And I think that's one of those games where I'll remember where I was yeah. for, for a long time because dominant performances in the Washington Redskins didn't necessarily go hand in hand, especially in prime time. Not on Thanksgiving either. I mean, there was, <laughs> they were never one on Thanksgiving uh, to that point. Right. I mean, it's yeah. against Dallas. And then of course this year they did too, but I mean, that's it. I mean, against Dallas on Thanksgiving, it's usually just a, you know, guaranteed out. Yeah. And Aldrick Robinson was going bananas that game. And of course, the whole world's watching. It's Thanksgiving. You're eating your turkey or whatever yeah. you eat, and everybody's just in front of the television. And it's final. As a fan, you're like, finally, some you guys get to see something that you can't make fun of about right, our football right. team. You know, that was um, awesome. And they were good in prime time that year. Remember, they won the Giants game. Yeah. That was prime time. Then again, the Dallas game, the Sunday Nighter for winner takes all, won that game too. And that was not the case basically before that for a long stretch, and after that for a long stretch either. So that was. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's why that was kind of a cathartic kind of season in that regard. Yeah, yeah. And then we went to the Giants. We won that game. And then came, as you mentioned earlier, the Baltimore game with the Holodi Nada hit. Well, tonight, RG3 is nursing his knee after going down after this weekend's victory against the Ravens. But he dusted himself off and could start next Sunday against the Browns. And that was, to me, that was the beginning of 
the next level that we would see from the RG3 and this whole football team where it was Kirk got in the game right at the yeah. end of the game. And, you know, RG3 had done a good job, you know, through that game to kind of keep us in there. And then I think he threw that ball after he got hurt to get us near the goal line where Kirk ended up punching us in. Um, but it was the first little like, oh, my God, I hope there's not a something between these two. Um, but starting with the, the not a hit, um, it was just a nasty play. I mean, it wasn't a dirty play. It was just no, a, it was just a good hit. It was just a bad situation. The field was a disaster, too. Yeah, yeah. And then we had the, uh, I think it was, was it Richard Crawford on the punt return? Yes, it was Richard Crawford. <laughs> one of my favorite guys, but Richard Crawford, one of the nicest guys I ever went to SMU. New football back in front was a historian of sports. He, he know everything. And, um, you know, Kyle Shanahan used to say he would talk to Crawford on the sidelines during games about game situations and stuff or about players because he was that kind of player. He was like just really smart. And um, he was a guy who like, you know, he wasn't here very long, unfortunately for him. But, man, he had some he had some memorable plays. I mean, that was a yeah. big that was the most memorable. Yeah. Huge punt return puts him in position. They get the field goal. They beat the Ravens, who, of course, you know, at the time it was a big deal, you know, because they keep the win streak going. And, you know, there were some questions about the Ravens after that. I think they fired their offensive coordinator like mm -hmm. the next week and then they go on to win the Super Bowl. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, go figure. I mean, it was, it was kind of a, at the time, probably just like, okay, it's a whatever game. It means a lot to the people in these areas, but it's actually very significant for both parties. Yep. Absolutely. And then, of course, we go to Cleveland and this was the Kirk Cousins start game. Yeah. And uh, Cousins played relatively well. I, I'd say really well, yeah, all things really considered. Good. And, you know, the, we won that game. And that kept the momentum alive. And I think from listening to the radio, I, you know, you started to hear people say, keep Kirk in there, keep yep. Kirk in there at that point. Um, and then you had the press conference after the game where even wow. though RG3 didn't start. That was terrible. He had a press conference. Well, and then worse than that was that he had a pregame workout, right? He had a yeah. pregame workout in Cleveland before the game. Um, it's just, you know, this is again where like if you had a rock solid star of a general manager, you would have just pumped the brakes and all this stuff. You said, no, you're not doing this. You don't work out before games. You're not playing. You know, you just, first of all, he probably shouldn't even made the trip. Right. Quite frankly, at the time with his knee, he should have never been on an airplane. Um, you just, you know, all that stuff. I mean, but they, they didn't have control of the situation that the player had had control at that point. And it was a problem. I mean, and this is really just a foreshadowing of what a disaster that 2013 all in for week one garbage was. And, you know, a little at the time, because everybody's in the euphoria of winning. And again, winning, they say, and this is so true, is a great deodorant because you overlook a lot of stuff, right? <laughs> and people are just like, whatever. But I mean, you know, we come to find out later, Mike Shanahan tried to quit that offseason, all this other stuff. I mean, just completely bonkers. I mean, everything was literally off the rails, despite what should have been a real feel-good season after a bunch of really crappy seasons, you know, since Joe Gibbs his retirement at that yeah. point. Um, but it was, you know, and that was just the beginning of it. But yeah, I mean, I mean, Kirk probably should have played, but they almost lost the Eagles game. I mean, the next week, because right. Robert was limited. He was not the same guy. Now he made some drives. He put together some drives, some plays, but you could, I remember one of the running plays he, he did, and it's come out later that he was very mad that Kyle called a running play. And, you know, there, that was part, part of the, you know, the headbutting between those two, the Kyle call a running play because like, you got to show this or we're going to, you know, we're going to get eaten up today. Right. You know, you got to show that you can run a little bit. And I remember him running out of bounds, all gimpy on that, on that knee brace. And they just survived that Eagles game. I mean, they yep. really literally just survived that Eagles game. Yep. And then we went to Dallas the next week. This is our house. It's our night and it's our division. To close out the division. Yeah. And that was a 28 to 18 game. 
And that was yeah. the Alfred Morris game. I mean, oh. Alfred Morris just chunked them up. And Rob Jackson, of course, picked off Tony Romo. And, and Rob Jackson was a great story that year, right? You know, with, with mm-hmm. Arakpo going down early with an injury. Rob Jackson was so clutch. He made so many sacks. Uh, you know, fumble recoveries, interceptions, you name it. He did, he did so many things for a guy who was kind of unheard of. <laughs> At that point, it was like the third, you know, outside linebacker on that team. And he was so good. But, yeah, I mean, that, that was Alfred Morris. And that was just really, you know, it was a great win. I mean, you know, and it really was probably as far as they could get, even though they jumped out on Seattle the following week, 14 nothing. You felt like they were invincible. But that was probably, you know, that was definitely the height of, height of it and, and probably where they were, were going to be. Um, but you know, that, that was a, that was a fun game. Anytime we beat Dallas and they swept Dallas that year and, and beat Romo and you know, Romo, of course, again, in a big moment, you know, totally threw up over himself. So that was always, always fun too. <laughs> yeah. Morris had 200 yards, three touchdowns. It was just, yeah. it was just bananas. It was incredible to watch that dude because like you legitimately every week felt that you had a chance to win the game. After that game, walking out through the concourse, we were stopping and screaming RG3 the whole yeah. way out. RG3, RG3. I mean, we had the band came up and started playing in the concourse. And then we were, I mean, it was, it was just like a vibe. There was go-go playing. RG3's name was being screamed through the rappers. Man, it, that was nothing will top that moment for me. It was the greatest thing ever. And of course we go to Seattle and, uh, and Seattle happens, you know, it's a, uh, like you know, we jump out to fourteen to nothing. RG three's got the the knee brace on, and he's he's yeah. not himself necessarily, but uh, he's effective at least early on. Um, and then it was, you know, the play happens. You know, the ball gets snapped, slow snap, and. Stunned silence here at FedEx Field is one of the brightest stars to come into this league in a long time. Has not been himself the bulk of the day, now can't get up. That that low snap, you can't blame the center for that playoff game versus Seattle but I, I can still see that poor kid reaching down to get the ball his knee buckling yeah and it was it was over like right then and there like the hopes and dreams it's like almost seeing like Ricky get shot and yeah. like it's like oh my god like it's everything is gone like that was our ticket out the hood it's crazy isn't it like it like the story had an ending and you saw that ending play out like right in front play of you out in slow crazy. motion dude 